0: From the four corners of Southern California, this is the Hot Seat, and you're in it with me, Max Schwartz. It starts right now. Today on the phone, I have is the fifth candidate for the Los Angeles County Sheriff to call into the Hot Seat, Jim McDonnell. How are you, Mr. McDonald? Thank you very much for taking the time to call into the Hot Seat.
1: Morning, Max. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well.
0: You're welcome. And this is the episode, I, as I mentioned earlier, that candidate McDonald would be on. I would like to remind everybody that this is a continuation of the Hot Seat's Sheriff Candidate Series. I would like to remind everyone that I will be sticking to my election protocol. You can hear what it is by listening to my election interview notes. I've got lots of questions for the candidates and not a lot of time, so without further ado, let's get started. Why are you running for Los Angeles County Sheriff?
1: Well, I've spent uh, my whole professional uh, life in uh, L.A. County working for the Los Angeles Police Department for 29 years and the Long Beach Police Department as chief for the last four years. And during that time, worked alongside the L.A. County Sheriff's Department and in recent years have seen uh, what we've all seen, really, the decline of an organization due to uh, a lack of leadership or a failure of leadership. And I believe that uh, what the organization needs is uh, the qualities that I have, the experiences that I have, and the education that I have to be able to bring to bear on what was once a great organization, and and I see the potential uh, to make it that way again.
0: Okay. And the sheriff is head of the police agency for the largest county in the country and head of the largest jail system in the country. Why should right. the voters trust you to hold this important, powerful post?
1: Well, I think you look at past behavior, and uh, like I mentioned, I have 33 years of experience. Uh, I've worked in the, uh, you know, in this environment, although different agencies. I think coming in as an outsider is a benefit. I think being able to put a, a team together, uh, you know, of, of professionals who share a vision and share the goals and where we need to get to uh, as an organization, I think, is a critical part to the success of this, and setting the tone right from the top, having the messaging being consistent with uh, the behavior. Um, I believe that it uh, first steps forward.
0: In terms of hiring a team, will you bring people from the Long Beach Police Department, or are you going to open it up to the best candidates and you'll take whichever, whoever's the best, quali- most qualified?
1: You know, I'm looking for, uh, I don't have any preference for where people come from. I actually, uh, there's some great people inside in the organization, and there's people in policing throughout the organization. Uh, the nation, that are, are also great and bring a lot uh, to the table. So I'd be open to looking wherever the best candidates are, We'll we'll put together the best team we can.
0: So is your plan going in to redo the Sheriff's Department by eliminating the current senior staff and bringing in a whole new team
1: completely? No. No, I don't have uh, some of the candidates I know of saying they're going to clean the table, they're going to they're going to get rid of everybody. I, I, I'm going to look, go in and assess everybody's skills Uh, assess what they bring to the table, what they can produce uh, moving forward, what level of credibility they have and how they're viewed within the organization as well as within the county. And uh, everybody gets a fair shot. We'll take a look at what we have to work with and then uh, move forward from there.
0: And you talk about past behavior and there seems to be a public perception that the Long Beach Police Department use is quick to fire their weapons or police officers and there's an excessive there's a history of excessive use of force between Douglas Zerby, which a federal jury uh, awarded 10 million dollars to the family and then the lawsuit filed on behalf of John Del Real Jr. and Tyler Damon Woods. Uh, would you I mean there, there's obviously a public perception as we see through the, what the people of Long Beach have said, and in their reform the Long Beach Police Department Facebook page, and what the federal grand, what the federal jury said. So, how are you working to change your current department, and how will you then change change the sheriff's department from having this public perception?
1: Well, I think you, to be fair, you've got to look at uh, in Long Beach. We had an uptick in the number of officer-involved shootings last year. When you look, um, you know, over, you know, from a historical perspective, you have years where you have more than others. Uh, to compare last year with this year, I believe last year at this time we had five officer-involved shootings. This year we've had one. Uh, I look at the cases that you cite, and, uh, you know, in most officer-involved shootings in any jurisdiction, lawsuits result from those. That's the nature of the business. Um, and looking at that particular case uh, with Mr. Zerby, that was a tragic case without a doubt. Uh, but he pointed what the officers uh, uh, reasonably believed to be a weapon, at them. Uh, they fired on him. It turned out not to be a weapon. It turned out to be a pistol grip uh, uh, nozzle for a hose, but it looked uh, it looked amazingly like a, a handgun. It was reported by uh, citizens to be a handgun. Officers responded and uh, and then dealt with it, and when he pointed it in their direction, uh, tragically, uh, he was shot and killed. So, I mean, that's one of those ones that come along and you you deal with it, you try and learn from each and every one of these cases and, and you know, try and put together a, a system of best practices. But We're in a business where uh, use of force is uh, unfortunately part of that business. We try and train, we try and uh, analyze each and every one of these shootings. Uh, we do a 72-hour debrief after each one uh, to try and look at tactics, policy, procedure, equipment. Uh, are we giving our folks the, uh, the tools they need? to be able to do the job as well as it can be done, uh, and then to be very critical, actually, of, uh, of the behavior leading up to uh, during and then after any use of force in an effort to try and remediate any, any uh, behavior or any actions that could have been done better and as best we can to try and uh, make sure that we're providing the best training, the best equipment, the best of, of everything we can to our people so that they can do the job as safely as possible for the community and for themselves.
0: Will you then be putting those procedures and or other procedures into place because there's no doubt that the Sheriff's Department has the public perception of using force too much and oh, going overboard on force and with and sometimes with firing a weapon. Would you put those policies into place and other policies to change the public perception if you're elected Sheriff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. i would uh, I would bring uh, first first of all, go in eyes wide open and and look at what they have in place, be, uh, be in a position to be able to modify or enhance any systems they already have. But to be able to look at doing what we did in Los Angeles and what we've done in Long Beach with a, uh, a very critical uh, debrief of any significant use of force incident uh, in about 72 hours after that incident to be able to get uh, as quickly but uh, as reasonably you know thorough uh, at that point as we can um, an analysis to see where we are, uh, what do we need to do. Uh, we take officers out of the field after a significant use of force and a shooting until they can see a psychologist and and be cleared to go back, and then as well as our analysis to make sure that uh, we're comfortable putting them back in the field, Uh, but also whatever remediation or or training or or whatever needs to follow as a result as well.
0: Okay. And what have you done in the past, and what do you currently do that makes you qualified for the position of sheriff? I know we just touched on this, but...
1: Well, I I think I bring to the table 33 years of experience in Los Angeles County uh, law enforcement, two different agencies, uh, but I'm outside the sheriff's department. So I think bringing a fresh perspective, unencumbered by past uh, LASD practices or alliances within the organization, uh, I think is a good thing. Uh, I was number two at LAPD, uh, the chief of police at Long Beach PD. Of the candidates in the race, I'm the only one who's actually run a police organization. Uh, I believe that, you know, this job is far too critical to come in and have to learn how to do that, uh, to be able to, you know, to get in and get up to speed, put a team together, and to to begin the healing right away is is a critical piece of that. Uh, I've had an integral hand in crime reduction in both LAPD and Long Beach PD. Uh, We're at a place now where we're at the lowest violent crime numbers we've seen in over 40 years. That was as of last year, and this year we're down significantly from last year's numbers, both in violent and property crime. Uh, My style is to be firm but fair as far as discipline, Um, very clear about what the expectations are. I've set up command accountability systems in both departments where we set the goals, set milestones in order to get to the goals, and then set up a procedure where we measure performance and behavior against those goals in an effort to ensure that we're, we're moving in the right direction, um, will you put those you know, into at, place? In the... I mean, if I could just finish. Uh, yeah. Just uh, I sat on the Citizens Commission on Jail Violence for a year in 2012, and we really analyzed the jails and as well as the culture that permeated from the jails. Uh, and I believe that that year, looking at the LASD during its darkest hours, uh, has been an education that uh, you know I don't know I could have gotten anywhere else. And while I'm not an insider, I believe I have some insight to the organization as a result of sitting on that commission. I have a track record of working with the community in Los Angeles and Long Beach, and we'll continue that. And I think having the support that's necessary as the sheriff is kind of the quarterback for public safety in the region. And I come in having spent 29 years with LAPD, uh, four years with Long Beach PD, and now uh, sitting in the chair of the sheriff. As well as having been the past president of the LA County Police Chiefs Association, uh, and I have their full support for my candidacy. That's 45 chiefs of police in LA County uh, who run their own show um, in their own city. So to be able to go in with that team in place moving forward, uh, I believe we're we're in a good position.
0: Some of the policies you just named and what and some of what you've done, will you bring those over to the Sheriff's Department?
1: Yeah, you know, you look at, I uh, will, uh, and you look at the best practices everywhere, not only what I've been involved in personally, but to avail myself to the best that's going on throughout the country or around the world. I stay up to speed on what other departments are doing. I, I read a lot as far as uh, day-to-day what's breaking in different jurisdictions because we can all learn from each other's mistakes. We can all learn from each other's successes as well.
0: Okay. And speaking of management, will you run the department like it is a law enforcement agency, like it is a business, or, or like a combination of the two?
1: You know, I think to be most effective, you have to run it as a, a kind of a combination of the two. It is a law enforcement agency. It has a lot of different complex specialties as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're responsible uh, to the county residents for a $2.8 billion budget. Um, traditionally in the organization, they have used a deputy at whatever rank. Uh, to oversee that budget. To me, that's a a specialty in itself. And uh, if we can uh, look at options for bringing in somebody as a CFO to be able to uh, try and identify efficiencies, try to be able to streamline processes so that we use uh, that $2.8 billion as well as we possibly can, that we're good stewards of the public's uh, money.
0: So you'd want to bring in someone with a finance background that's not necessarily a police officer? Okay. And will you, um, sorry, will you manage like the law enforcement officer who holds the highest rank in the agency, or will you manage like the manager of a business?
1: Well, I think it's kind of a, a combination there. You want to be able to be, uh, you know, the, to actually be the sheriff, to hold the office of the sheriff, and to be able to run a paramilitary organization uh, in the most effective and efficient manner possible. You're responsible for the, the safety of over 10 million people either directly or indirectly, as well as, uh, as I mentioned, to be that quarterback for the uh, for the 45 other cities in the county. Um, and so I look at, you know, how, what kind of posture you take here. My goal is to be able to be very inclusive, to be collaborative, to be able to bring everybody to the table, and to be able to move forward as a team, uh, focusing on uh, on the goals and how do we get there together. Okay. And so I, saw, I guess also the business aspect, as you mentioned, is, uh, with the sensitivity towards how we spend the public's money, and are we being as efficient and, and, and as effective with that money as we can. So there's there's a lot that goes into running an organization of this size dealing with uh, the internal audience of about 18,000 employees and then the public safety of over 10 million people.
0: Okay. And how will you restore people's faith in the office of sheriff and the department as a whole and restore integrity in the office?
1: I think it starts by setting the tone right from day one, uh, right as soon as you walk in the door or actually long before you got there with your reputation, uh, to be able to come in, set clear expectations, set goals, put systems in place for command accountability so that we are measuring performance and behavior uh, against the template of where we want to go as an organization. And I think being as transparent as we can with the community. I'm a a proponent of public or of uh, civilian oversight. Uh, I worked with, uh, with that both in Long Beach and in Los Angeles, Los Angeles with the police commission and an inspector general, and w- was there for the evolution of the inspector general's role uh, from one where the department pushed back against it uh, pretty heavily to one where it became much more collaborative and, uh, and effective, actually, uh, in more recent years.
0: Okay. And we'll, we'll talk about those in a moment. Um, when we get into oversight, but if a constituent were to ask you if you are elected, what will you do to reform and improve the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, what would you say?
1: I'd say we'll follow the rules. Uh, when you get into uh, the details of, of the, the dysfunction within the organization, there were rules in place very clearly. They didn't follow them. Uh, there were people at the higher levels of the organization that encouraged people to go around the rules. Uh, to work in the gray to do what you have to do and discourage uh, uh, internal affairs. And when you look at behavior like that coming from the uh, top levels of the organization, that's a chilling effect on the behavior of people throughout the organization. It's a morale killer in that the people who are following the rules, who are doing the right thing, who are working hard, are not being rewarded, while those that are uh, you know, friends of, uh, of certain people or give campaign donations to certain people the tone it's making very clear what the expectations are it's rewarding good behavior it's uh and it's sanctioning behavior that's uh it's deviant or deficient
0: how will you make people follow the rules
1: well I'll again uh, you start by modeling you go in there and you set the tone and then you ensure that the behavior is consistent with the messaging that when you talk about core values should have um i think (coughs) excuse me uh as well to be able to put in place uh and they've started that already as one of the recommendations 63 recommendations of the citizens commission on jail violence uh was to put an inspectional services unit uh by whatever name they're calling it now um i'm not sure but uh they've kicked it off and really what it is is an audit function an inspection function for the sheriff to be able to have eyes and ears to go out throughout the department and find things that are not going well and to fix them and to then find things that are going well and to reward that behavior. So that was not in place before, and, and it's like flying blind, really, without having some kind of a function like that.
0: Okay. And if a constituent were to come up to you or were to ask you if you are elected, what will you do to make the county safe and improve policing specifically, what would you say?
1: Well, I think we, we use the, uh, the methods, the tactics, the procedures that, that have proven to be so effective uh, across the country in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, I am a proponent of technology. We use technology as a force multiplier. But at the end of the day, policing is and always will be a people business. And it's about being able to relate to the communities that we serve. It's about having yeah. an open dialogue and a rapport with the people that we're serving. Uh, and I've, I've been able to achieve that in both locations that I've worked. Um, crime, crime control, crime fighting is a team sport. And uh, the police can't do it alone in any jurisdiction. We have to do it with the community, uh, ha- having the community act as our eyes and ears. Uh, nobody knows a neighborhood better than those people who live in the neighborhood. So to be able to get people engaged, uh, not to be, not to take it on themselves, but to, to be in a position to be able to report what's happening. Uh, if we have a good community partnership, it saves us literally hundreds of hours in investigation or surveillance or whatever it is we need to do to follow up on something. Uh, By getting information from somebody who lives in that community, uh, we can be much, much more efficient and and be able to do a better job of protecting uh, all of our communities.
0: So, in short, you'd like to have a greater partnership with the public?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always the goal.
0: Okay. And uh, yes or no question, just so we have you on the record for this, do you support a Citizens Oversight Commission? Yes. How much power would you want that commission to have?
1: Well, that's, I think that's something that we need to work out uh, with the Board of Supervisors, with other stakeholders in the county. Uh, I think there's there's a now a, you know, a push to have a, a, a civilian oversight uh, configuration of some sort because uh, previously the sheriff an elected official uh, was not ensuring that the right things were being done. Uh, I think we don't want to uh, diminish the, the, the office of the sheriff as an elected official and the independence that that office has to be able to do things well, to do things right for the right reasons, and not be uh, beholden to other elected officials who maybe uh, potentially could have a different agenda uh, and and try and and sway public safety in a certain direction or another. I think the sheriff has to be able to stand strong and to be able to uh, do the right things for the right reasons, have that level of independence, but at the same time, be accountable to the other elected officials, to be accountable ultimately to the 10 million people of Los Angeles County. And so there's a, a balance there as to uh, how we configure this, and I think it's very important because in uh, a lot of time, effort and energy needs to be spent putting this together uh, as well as we can because we're going to be uh, living with it for many years to come, and it needs to be as good as it possibly can be. Uh, I think there's models throughout the country that we could look at uh, as uh, templates. The, uh, the L.A. model here with the L.A. Police Department, with the Police Commission, the Inspector General is one. Uh, but there are many others throughout the country as well, so it's a complex question that you ask. I think we need to be very careful on how we configure it, um, so as to continue to hold the sheriff accountable uh, for being able to do the job as well as it can be done.
0: Okay, um, but so,
1: just, but yet to provide that level of uh, outside, uh, you know, oversight, that I think will be beneficial to all of us.
0: So the answer is it sort of depends, and you'll figure and you'll figure out the specifics once you get into office if you're elected.
1: Not I, but we, yeah, together uh, with all the other stakeholders, we'll, we'll uh, come up with the, the best plan we can.
0: Okay, and Max Huntsman is the is a corrupt politician's worst nightmare. Is the relatively new inspector general? Do you believe having an inspector general is a good idea? And how will you work with the inspector general?
1: Yeah, I worked with the inspector general in Los Angeles uh, very well. Uh, I think it's a good idea to have an inspector general. I think that it, it gives the, uh, the sheriff uh, or in, in a city, the police department, the chief, um, basically a sounding board and, and a person to be able to help identify issues before they become scandals uh, or before they become something that uh, goes beyond what they needed to be. They could have been fixed earlier. So it's an extra set of eyes and ears. It's a validation for the good things being done, and an opportunity to be able to fix things that need to be fixed at the earliest possible stage.
0: Okay, and I'd like to moving on now. I'd like to incorporate former Sheriff Baca in our discussion. And for the purposes of disclosure, and for those that do not know, do you have any current or prior affiliation to or with Mr. Baca?
1: I've known uh, I've known Mr. Baca for many years in his role as sheriff. you know, I've been with, as I mentioned, uh, 33 years in the business here in this county. Uh, so I've, uh, I've known him for many years, worked alongside him, um, and worked with him on, on a number of public safety projects throughout the years.
0: Okay. And under he did resign, albeit partially for different reasons, after multiple scandals were uncovered. If new scandals which started under the previous sheriff or under your tenure are uncovered at the start of your term, what will you do?
1: And we'll address them head-on, and, uh, and we'll, we'll look for opportunities to be able to fix anything we can find that needs to be fixed, uh, and whether they occurred on, on the prior watch or whether they, they occur in the future. As soon as we are able to determine what's going on, we'll we'll do everything we can to be able to fix it and to be uh, as responsive as we can to the public, to the Inspector General, to the Oversight Committee, uh, and to the Board of Supervisors to, uh, to be able to ensure people that um, – you know, you have an organization you can be proud of that um, positive leadership is, is taking place. And, and uh, bottom line, we've set the tone from the top and moving forward.
0: Okay. And what will you do to make sure there are there will be no new scandals coming out of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department?
1: I think a lot of that is, is really what we've already talked about yeah. by setting the tone, by holding people accountable, uh, by being as transparent as we can by setting the bar high and working towards those goals, rewarding good behavior, sanctioning bad behavior, uh, and not tolerating a lot of what has been tolerated or even encouraged in the past.
0: Okay. And there are still ranking officials and people who knew about the scandals in the department who were there while Mr. Baca was in office. If elected, will you attempt to remove people who were senior officials under Baca to make sure that the department starts off fresh?
1: Yeah, that kind of goes back to your earlier question. Uh, am I going to clean the decks of everybody who was there? Um, no, I'm not going in with an eye towards uh, getting rid of everybody or any of that kind of thing. I want to go in. There's a lot of talent in the organization. I want to be able to identify the talent uh, and put the right people in the right places within the organization to be able to get the maximum use of the, their talents and to be able to move forward. If there are people in place who are who condoned or, or encouraged uh, – Brutality or corruption—certainly uh, uh, they'll be addressed. Um, but I, I, I would not make a comment that I would go in there and, and look in a white pit and wipe it clean and bring on all new people or anything along those lines, like some of my uh, the other candidates have mentioned.
0: Would you m- remove the individuals who knew about the scandals that are still at the department, or who? When, or when who... you say knew
1: about them, I think if there's culpability, if they had a hand in the scandals, if uh, they'll be certainly held accountable for their role. Um, I think different people at different times knew or, or should have known what was going on in, in, uh, you know, in different venues. Uh, their ability to be able to, to do something about that, that's something we need to look at. Uh, what do they know and what do they do and when do they do it? Those will all be questions that we'll be asking.
0: Okay. And moving on, or continuing along the lines about knowing about what was going on, many people have said that because Sheriff Baca kept affirming he did not know about the scandals the Los Angeles Times was reporting about, he either turned a blind eye to them or he really did not know what was going on in his department. Even though it is very large, what will you do to make sure you know what is going on in the sheriff's department?
1: No, That's a great question. And uh, my style is to be uh, out there, to be walking around, to be uh, plugged into what's going on, I don't micromanage, but I like to be aware of what's going on in every aspect of the organization so that if there, is, uh, if there are issues, we can fix them. If there are things that are going on that are state-of-the-art uh, that need to be uh, celebrated and shared, we try and do that as well. Uh, so I think it's as it's, it's much a style uh, piece as anything else, but my style is to be hands-on, is to be plugged into what's going on, uh, and I'm 24-7 as far as... Uh, you know, a leader and a manager uh, of of the organizations that I've been with.
0: So, does that mean that you'll be, I guess, you'll make rounds in the various departments and go on ride-alongs, or go and be in different places in the county to know what's actually happening?
1: Yeah, I'll be out there, and uh, I, I generally roll on calls in in whatever division I'm in within the city that I'm, I'm working, uh, and try and stay stay up to speed on on what the issues are, stay plugged in. Uh, open dialogue with the union, open dialogue as as much as I can with uh, the people actually doing the job, uh, professional staff, uh, officers in the field, deputies in the field, um, at all levels of the organization, to be able to try and and maintain a reality check that if there's things that need to be done different, don't wait for the chain of command to to report it up, but to get out there and hear it uh, on the lines.
0: Okay. And do you believe Mr. Baca brought any good to the department?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's being looked at right now uh, because of his final days, because of the, uh, the, the scandals and the, and the things that occurred. But he had almost 50 years in that organization, so I wouldn't discount all of the, the good things that were done, the value he brought to the organization. Um, you know, you look at education-based incarceration, I think that's one of his probably his biggest legacies. Uh, I'd look at that uh, strongly to see how do we build on the foundation that uh, he established. And then his relationship with the various communities throughout the county and beyond, Uh, he was an ambassador for the department, and I think he would probably tell you that he spent more time than he probably should have externally uh, when things were not going well in the organization. And I think he said uh, to a group he spoke at, Loyola, that if he had it to do over again, he would be more internally focused uh, managing the day-to-day operations more so. Uh, And I think that, you know, I respected that, that when he, he looked in and was critical of his own style, um, that he said that he would have done things differently. So some lessons learned there. But I think that, you know, his legacy, there's a lot of strong aspects to it, certainly. Uh, and I think that uh, we, we're tending recently here to focus only on the scandal at the end of his career.
0: Will you keep his good policies in place?
1: I'll reevaluate his all policies within the department with an eye towards uh, making sure that the policies in the sheriff's department are consistent with what are considered best practices in the industry uh, nationwide and beyond.
0: And you talked about internal versus external. Will you about split your focus equally, or will you put more of an emphasis toward the internal goings-on?
1: Well, certainly, I think uh, initially there's a lot to be fixed. Uh, And and critically, uh, one of the big issues is putting the right team together to be able to ensure that you have people in command over a specialized function that are competent and uh, and have the ability to be able to run that command and have the leadership skills necessary to be able to take it to the next level. So, I think in the beginning, the, the focus it will be there will be a lot of focus internally. And then uh, you can't also uh, neglect at all your responsibilities to be the face of the organization to the community that you serve in order to be able to help reestablish uh, public trust. That is probably the biggest goal that we have uh, moving forward, uh, as well as then the internal audience to reinstill pride within the organization and for what that badge symbolizes. Because if we have a, a motivated, energized workforce, we have a better workforce, we have a safer county and we have people working uh, more collaboratively together to be able to get the job done as well as it can be done.
0: Okay. And moving on now, some of the candidates running for the third district seat on the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors have said they would like to use the "quote unquote" power of the purse to get the sheriff to make changes they or the board want to make. As sheriff, how would you respond if the power of the purse is used?
1: Well, you know, you look at uh, you look at recent history and the relationship between the sheriff and. The individual members of the Board of Supervisors uh, could have been a lot better. Uh, I, I go into this with the support of uh, of the board for the most part. In um, moving forward, I think it, we have to work together. We have to realize that, uh, you know, we represent the, the interest, the public safety interest within their district. So they certainly have a stake in what we do and how we do it. Uh, I think it's important for us to be able to have an ongoing, positive working relationship with each member of the Board of Supervisors and their staff that we work with on a daily basis because when you look at a, the, the public safety equation, it's not just about enforcement. It's about dealing with quality of life issues. It's about dealing with mental health issues and so many other issues. And the, uh, each member of the Board of Supervisors can help uh, bring to bear resources and uh, and positive ideas on how we best address the needs within their district in uh, all of those districts are within the, uh, the area represented by the sheriff. Okay. Uh, and, and so I think, again, relationships are so critical, and I move forward with uh, a very positive outlook on being able to uh, work well with all of the supervisors.
0: Okay, and I'd like to move on now and talk about the U.S. government. The U.S. attorney for the Central District of California indicted 18 deputies and members of the brass, and more indictments could come. If you are elected, what will you do? What will you do to make sure this behavior stops and the culture is changed so people know acting like these 18 did is not okay?
1: Yeah, everybody's responsible for their own behavior. So 18, it was actually 20. Uh, and when you when you look at uh, you know the behavior, much of that was obstruction of justice. Uh, it didn't start at the levels of the folks who were indicted. It started much higher in the organization. Uh, There's speculation that there are more indictments to come. We'll see on that. Uh, But certainly the tone that was set from the top was not a positive one. Uh, As I mentioned, the the individual who talks about working in the gray and I've got your back and don't worry about internal affairs and those kind of things, I can't think of a worse tone to hear from the top of an organization. Um, uh, Critical for, for liability, for morale, for... out of trouble and and performing the job in a way where the community would be proud of the organization. What we saw then is uh, this individual who says, I've got your back. Um, We've got 20 deputies whose families now are upside down, Uh, 20 deputies who are looking at losing their their freedom uh, because they they behaved in a way that was inconsistent with the core values, with the law enforcement code of ethics and with the law. And as a result now, uh, you have an organization that's tarnished and uh, and that tone didn't you know didn't come from their level it came straight from the top of the organization. Will you
0: remove so, those 18 those 20 individuals?
1: Well they've got the day in court. I mean certainly uh, there's a process and a system for looking at uh, at what they're alleged to have done and uh, and we'll see what happens in the courts. Uh, it would be it would be early for me to prejudge any of that certainly.
0: Okay and one final question, yes or no because we're out of time. Will you get to the bottom of why the FBI informant was moved in the jails?
1: Well, that's uh, a number of the people who've been indicted. That is what they were indicted for, obstruction of justice in that case. Um, and again, uh, I think for for us to think that a sergeant or a lieutenant made those calls uh, would be naive in an organi- a paramilitary organization like the uh, sheriff's department. So we'll see what's yet to come on that. Um, and that, I, I think we'll we have a lot to learn on that case yet as it makes its way through the courts.
0: But you will find out, you will get to the bottom of why he was moved.
1: Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I think we know why he's moved. Uh, it's a question of uh, who did it, and uh, you know, and then showing that.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much for that, and thank you very much for joining the hot seat today, Mr. McDonald. It was a pleasure. The hot seat after Hour starts right now. You can email the hot seat inbox at the hot seat with Max Schwartz at gmail.com, or you can tweet me at Max TV. You can also read and follow my blog at Max You can subscribe to the hot seat newsletter by clicking on the link on our page. Go to Annenberg slash podcast and click on the link underneath the hot seat description and enter your email address. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me next time with 62nd Assembly District candidate Adam Plimpton.